Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Those people in small towns saying that they can't make it work, they're actually overlooking a really cool thing, which is you're the only person doing anything like this. And if you are shocking people with your prices, they're going to remember you. You are going to be the topic of conversation, and that's marketing. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Jessica Malone, and she basically shatters some of the beliefs people have about why they can't charge industry standard pricing where they live. Jessica lives in a super small town an hour drive from any larger city. She's new to her area, and there are tons of other photographers where she lives, even though it's a small population of people. Despite all of this and a pandemic, Jessica has had her best year yet in 2020. Jessica attributes much of her success to making a big shift in her own belief system. She tells us all about this during her interview, and she also shares about how she markets to potential clients and how she used being like the talk of the town to her advantage. I really love chatting with Jessica, and I hope so much that you'll be really inspired and also challenge your own beliefs after listening to her. Okay, let's start the show. Hey, Jessica, how are you? Hi, Nikki. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to The Portrait System. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Hey, Jessica, where are you located? I am located in Galpolis, Ohio, which is southeastern Ohio, right by the river. Okay. So we're not too far. I'm right in south no. South Michigan, kind of right in the middle. Yeah, we're not far at all. Awesome. Yeah, neighbors. Okay, so before we talk about your whole story and everything, will you give people just kind of a general picture of what you, you know, what sort of genre do you shoot and do you have a studio, you do outdoors, just kind of give people a little overview. So I do have a studio. Um, I mostly shoot portrait, boudoir, and personal branding right now. I do some outdoor sessions, um, but since I've had a studio space, I've tried to avoid that if all possible. I, I like my mm-hmm. air conditioning and, and heat. Mm-hmm. So I do shoot outdoors sometimes, but mostly in the studio. Okay, cool. And then are you focusing on families or just, you know, one specific woman or how, how does that work? Well, I do families. Um, I focus mostly on just one woman, usually. A lot of my clients are branding clients. Um, A lot of times we mix branding with boudoir. So it's mostly one woman. Now, they might bring their families in at the end, but I would say that's the bulk of my clients. Okay, okay. For some reason, I thought you photographed more families, but okay, that's good to know. So a little bit of a little bit of everything. I mean, I do. Wise, yeah. yeah, I do. But I it that usually seems to come in like afterwards. Like I I get my client as you know for branding or headshots or for boudoir or for the 40, 40, 40 over forty campaign, and then they bring their families in. So okay, so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because that's a good that's a good selling strategy. Oh my gosh! To say yes. like okay, yeah, like you come in and then at the end. 
you know, once you've done your hair and makeup and had your pampering, you know, have your partner or whomever bring your kids in. And yes. Do, yeah. So tell me, how, how do you do that? How do you orchestrate that? Exactly. Just how you said, like, I just pitch it to them. They come in and, and they might be, you know, interested in the 40 over 40 project or a headshot or, you know, and I'm like, hey, we include, you know, hair and makeup. We've got wardrobe. The majority of the session can be like all about you. But at the end, if you want to bring your kids, your partner, whoever, we can have about 30, 45 minutes at the end and do something different. And they're usually like, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. We do need a family photo. And it just kind of works out that way. So almost everybody that I bring that up to takes me up on it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's such a smart strategy because in the end, they're probably not going to say no to those photos of the family. Exactly. Yeah. And if you do a great job and you mix it up, like some of just the kids, some with mom and kids, some with, you know, mom and husband or partner or whomever, like that adds up. And and oh, for I sure. find that when I do that, they buy the biggest package because they can't say no <laughs> to all these photos. Yeah. And I also add at the end of a session, I always say, okay, let's do something just for fun. And I might throw something, you know, a little crazier on them, like birdcage hoop skirt or, you know, something Mm -hmm. just fun. And it's so surprising to me how many people that I would have never thought, like they would have never said yes to a creative session. And then they see these just for fun at the end and they buy them almost every time and almost every time it's wall art. And they're just like, I can't believe it, you know. And so I was like, sneak it in on them. (laughs) And I'm like, this is just for me. Like, it's just for my own fun. And, And then they love it. So... Oh, this is so good, Jessica. It's so good. And it's funny you say that because it does feel like if you were to say to a client like, hey, I have this really cool hoop skirt, they would be like, um, no, <laughs> like most right. would be like, no. But once they're there and they're having so much fun and they're into it and it's like they'll do anything we want. Yeah, they're, they're not going to tell you no. Like, they're, yeah. Especially like towards the end where they're feeling more comfortable. You've, you know, guided them and, and their nerves are down, you know, and they're, they're having a lot of fun. Yeah, they just go with it. Mm-hmm. And it always makes just these amazing shots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I really love your work. It's, it's very beautiful. I saw a post of yours in the Super Ice Education, the members Facebook group. And you were just talking about how you started as a, as a shoot and burn and you really burned out. But then in 2020, you had your best year ever. And so I, I kind of was like, oh, this is interesting. And I went to Instagram and I was like looking at your work and I was like, wow, okay, this is really, really good. And you. not that I didn't expect it to be good, but like you really <laughs> blew me away. So I'm curious if you can and just kind of take us back because I think a lot of people start where you started with, I started there yeah. too, with a shoot and burn, like, uh, how am I ever going to sustain this? So tell me a little bit about where you started. Oh gosh. Okay. So I got started in photography by pure accident. I was graduating college and I needed one more elective and it was between folk dance or digital photography. (laughs) And so (laughs) I am not folk dancing. So I took digital photography and I had, I did have a history with photography before. My dad was a photographer and I grew up looking, you know, at his albums and that's one way I got to know him through what he photographed. But My senior year, I took digital photography just to graduate. I didn't think I would ever need to know anything. So I just, you know, just pass me so I can graduate. That's all I need. And yeah, I had this little camera. It was like a basic Nikon. And I would take pictures of my garden and my dogs. And 
a couple contacted me and said, will you shoot our wedding? (laughs) And I was like, "Um, your wedding is a big deal and I don't (laughs) think I'm qualified. And they said, no, let's, let's do it. We think you can do this. And we love, we love your work, which I'm like, it's flowers and dogs, but okay. And uh, I offered an engagement session as like a trial run. And I didn't know how to charge anything. I had never even dreamed of someone paying me to take their picture. And I did their engagement session as a donation. And they gave me $100. And they were like, raise your prices. And I did this huge wedding, totally unprepared. If I would have known what I know now, I would have been terrified and probably never taken the job. But I did this whole wedding. And I, I actually did a good job. I still look back at some of those pictures like, wow, I can't believe I shot that. I had no idea what I was doing. And after that, a a family got a hold of me and they were like, do you shoot families? And I'm like, I guess I do. And so I Googled how much for a family shoot. And somebody said $500 is what I saw on Google. So I said, okay, $500 for your shoot and a picture, a, a wall print. And it just kind of went from there. Like people would be like, oh, do you do seniors? Do you do this? And I'm like, I do now. And, <laughs> and, and that's how I got through college and then, and then grad school. And yeah. And so you can imagine taking all of you know, these jobs, whatever, whoever offered me money, I'm like, all right, this is my genre now. You know, I got burned out really quick, but I didn't, I didn't understand. I wasn't in the creative field long enough to understand burnout. And so, yeah, I I probably quit a few times (laughs) and kept coming back to it. Let's talk a little bit about that. What what did that mean to you at the time, burnout? Well, so I was working my way through college. I had had my son, so I was, you know, trying to take care of a child, too. And Mm -hmm. I was just doing anything and everything and and taking as many sessions as I could possibly take because they were like these shoot-and-burn prices. And what's funny is when I first started that first family session I did and I said $500— like, I had no problem selling it. They were like, okay. But the more I got into photography and the longer I did it, the more I realized how much improvement I needed. I didn't know enough to know how bad I was. And my prices started to go down. So then I was charging like $50 oh, okay. in the park. Mm-hmm. And I was having people, you know, like, oh, well, so and so is doing it for cheaper. So I was running into that and it was all me. And I see that now, but that's really what led to that burnout. It was like, oh, I see these other photographers doing this amazing work and this is what mine looks looks like. I can't believe, you know, and it, you know, that downward mental spiral mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you can get into. Totally. And just that combined with like the level I was needing to shoot to even like survive, you know, yeah. to, to pay bills or whatever was just, it just would get too much. And so, yeah, I would quit and then I'd be like, you know. Yeah, this is really interesting because we talk about that a lot. I mean, Sue, that's like the backbone of what she teaches is that self-value, you know, in addition to oh, yeah, know, that's everything and lighting. And of course, yeah, of course you have to be a good photographer and know what you're doing. But so much of it is like you can have the best portfolio in the world, but if you don't value it and value what you do, you you're can't you can't charge shit. And so hearing yes. you say that when you didn't know what you didn't know, you were fine with charging $500. But once you... It's like once our our self-value is such a direct reflection of what we're selling and how much we're charging. And it is... It's everything. And you're such a good example of that. Oh, absolutely. That like self-value went down and prices went down. Exactly. And the reaction I was getting from my clients changed as well. Like before they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, take my money, you know? And I, I had never shot a family before, literally. And 
then after, I mean, I had experience under my belt. I had, a, you know, I had been in a couple of magazines, but I was realizing, you know, how much it could be improved and all the things that I didn't do. And I was looking at everything I wasn't. And then my mm-hmm. clients were reflecting that back to me. They were like, you know, you're not even worth the $50 for a hundred, you know, edited images on a disc that we have full rights to. And that was all me. That wasn't them. So yeah, it wasn't until I knew how I was feeling and I, I think I, I can't possibly do this for the rest of my life. And I was at this point where, um, you know, I need to get serious. I need to make a change. Like it was either, I had found Subrice Education and I had watched for about a year, like on the sidelines, not like there's no way I could ever make this happen. <laughs> and it just got to a point, it's either I need to actually try and give it a legitimate authentic try, or I need to go get my PhD or something. Because at the time I was teaching (laughs) in school. It's weird because photography's always been this like side hustle while I was getting, you know, my quote unquote big girl job. Mm -hmm. I I went to graduate school twice for degrees that I never have used. (laughs) Isn't that funny? And the whole time photography was actually the only thing that was ever making me money. And it took me years to be like, hey, let's do this right. And so that's really where I was. Like I found the, you know, education and it was like, I either have to give this a real try with a real business model that's really going to work and I can make a livable income or I just have to quit this entirely because I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like you had like analysis paralysis and a lot of people go through that where they think like oh well I'll just keep learning and keep learning and whether that's go back to school or watch courses or pay a ton of money for courses or watch YouTube videos or practice or whatever but don't actually do it because they just are paralyzed to take action like do you feel like maybe that's the stage you were in Definitely. But also at the same time, on top of that, you know, I had my child and I had like everything I was either overqualified for or I was underqualified for. So on top of that pressure or on top of that analysis paralysis, like realizing how much I have to do and how much there is to learn and oh my gosh, look what they're doing and what they're doing. I also Mm -hmm, had this mm -hmm. need, like you have to like take care of a child and all the responsibility that comes with being a parent. And, you know, so I had to keep selling at the same time knowing like, oh, I hate this and I, I, I really don't like what I'm doing and I, I don't think this is good enough. And it was, it was a really hard place, like mentally and emotionally. It was just a very hard place to be in. Yeah. When was this? Um, this was, well, that actually went on for a few years. Um, this was probably like the 2014 to 2016 era. And yeah, so then 2016, I found the Sue Bryce education and I started watching all the videos and I'm like, you know, it was such a different genre in a way because I didn't have a studio. I knew nothing about strobe lights or I was like, you know, throw me in a field somewhere and Mm -hmm. I'll shoot. Like, I, you know, it's your typical outdoor only, shoot at the golden hour, you know, photographers. So I was very much intimidated by like that studio look, that portrait look, but I knew I loved it and I, and it was very beautiful. And it did remind me of all those photos. Like I looked at that, you know, my dad took and just the old film days. And I think that's what really drew me to it. And so I sat for a year and watched that and, and just absorbed as much as I could. And then I finally was like, you know, (laughs) you got to do this. You got to take the leap. And I did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just snowballed from there. And it was it was like the best thing I 
could have ever done. Yeah. You know, just two things there. I remember feeling the same way. I was, okay, so when I learned about Sue and I was like, I want to do this, but I'm going to do seniors outside because in studio is not my thing. Like I was very much, I was very similar. And then once I learned how much easier to me it is in studio, like you mentioned before, air conditioning, heat, like the controlled environment to me became so much more appealing than fighting with other people out in the fields. Not fighting. Yeah. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. the golden hour and having to do it at dinner time as opposed to where I could shoot during the day when I just felt like it or, you know, but I also want to say that this business model really truly does work for people who are shooting in golden hour in a field. Like I just oh, yeah. want to put that out. And I know you know that, but just for people listening, I want people to know that this business model in this education works for all types of portraits. It's not just in studio. Because I know, like, that's 99.9% of the time what Sue shoots, so that's what she shows. Right. But we have so many people who make this totally work outside. Yeah. And, you know, the first time I made it work outside, I was actually kind of shocked because I was in that mindset. That was me, like, oh, well, this isn't you know, this isn't the studio. I don't have the lights. I don't have, you know, that like vibe that you can get that really like level of drama, you know? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the first shoot that I did solely outside that reminded me back in the $50 in the park days. And then it was like one of my bigger sales. They bought my highest package. And I was just like, okay, wow. I, I, it was a pleasant surprise. And since then I've done a bunch of outdoor only shoots and carry the same sales average Mm -hmm. just the same as if it was inside yep yep same because my seniors we do both indoor and outdoor and yeah it's the same and for the record I still do not shoot with strobes I still am like window with my sheer curtain and some like banged up white reflector like that's my (laughs) so like it, it really does not need to be an intimidating process to think about shooting in studio. Do you do you use strobes? What kind of lights do you use? I do. I have two strobes in the studio that I use for most of my sessions most of the time. And I have the Godox 80 to 200, I think. Nice, um, nice, very cool. And a couple of different modifiers. But I have a single window in my studio, and it's not even a full window. I'm, I'm jealous of all you guys with your floor to ceiling windows or mine's yeah, like that little makes a difference yeah it's like two and a half foot like tall and then about four foot wide you know it's funny I, I spent all the time on learning strobes and doing all this and thinking like oh this is the look and then actually here lately the past several shoots I've done I've done majority just window only with a v-flat and it's beautiful and I'm like oh I forgot how much I love just this yeah. window it's it's beautiful so I've, I've been doing more window just because I had been strobe only for so long But I agree, both are beautiful, and it doesn't have to be complicated at all. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I was in Portland recently doing a photo shoot, and I was in Darina's studio. I don't know if you know Darina. She was episode 61. Yeah. But in her her big studio, she has these huge windows, but she always shoots with strobes, always. And so she had all the windows covered up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, all these windows are covered (laughs) up. Like, what's happening? And then I, you know, opened the windows and it's like I it's like suddenly I forgot what it's like to shoot in the Pacific Northwest where when it gets dark in the middle of the day it is dark and all of a sudden it went dark like it went from sunny to like pouring rain and I'm like oh yeah what am I gonna do so she has this huge constant light it's like bigger than me I don't even know how big it is I swear it was like nine feet around probably eight feet I think that's standard right the eight feet huge octo 
big thing. Anyway, I figured out how to turn – I'm staring at it thinking, oh, God, what am I going to do right now? So I turned it on, and it was beautiful. All of a sudden, I had this (laughs) constant light, and I was like, gosh, I resist this stuff when it's just so easy. And it just kind of mimicked what I do with natural light, and I moved on. Like, it wasn't strobe. I know strobe has kind of a different look, but – Anyways, it just it just goes to show like you can do what you do in any situation as long as you learn how. <laughs> oh, definitely. I've been looking at the constants. I think that would be that's like probably my next addition lighting wise, but when I first started in the studio and I only had one light, I was trying to do like that signature light look with, you know, the fill light and I I didn't have a second light, but I had installed a makeup stand and you know, I did the vanity lights around the mirror and I mm-hmm. had daylight LEDs and they're pretty bright. And my studio is pretty small. I literally took a backdrop stand with a shower curtain liner and turned on my nice. vanity lights and just raised the backdrop as high as I could and put that like, you know, panel, it was like a diffusion panel, the shower curtain liner. And then I used that as a fill and then brought in the one. And so I got this really beautiful look and people are like, oh, what lighting did you use? I'm like, those are light bulbs from my makeup stand because I was in a pinch and I was trying to make this work and I didn't want the client to see me sweat. And I'm like, oh yeah, I do this all the time. This is this is normal in our industry. Yeah, shower curtain, <laughs> totally, totally normal. Shower curtain like, in front of your yeah. light bulbs, yeah. But it worked yeah. and it had, I, th- I would think that it's the same as that constant light. And so I, I definitely would like to get the official, you know, more official product. (laughs) Yeah. But like you said, I mean, hacking your way through it. I mean, that's just, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to do that until you're ready to have, you know, the more expensive equipment or whatever. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about pricing because you mentioned that recently you did an outdoor shoot and they bought your highest package. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how you do your pricing. Well, my session fee is $550 and that includes all the styling, wardrobe, hair and makeup, and the shoot. Um, my prints after that are three fifty dollars each. They go up from there with wall art, and then I do the folio box collections, and those are $6, 12 and 25 for $2,000, $3,000, and $4,000. Nice. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that, because for people out there who maybe don't know what the folio box is, can you tell us about that? Oh, sure. So I do the folio boxes from Graphy. I absolutely love them. Um, I have the reveal box with the clear yeah, top. Yeah, that's one I like too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, wait, it's so easy like with the clients because I'm like, you can display your pictures, you can rotate them, they can sit on a coffee table, you know. It, they're very versatile. But I actually let them choose a box or an album. I did away with the box being included with the lowest package of six just because um, I order my boxes ahead of time in bulk and you know, Mm -hmm. they're 25 print boxes, six prints just look so, so if I can't upsell them more, you know, they just get a regular box. And the same with albums. So if you're at the middle collection or higher, you can pick between the box or an album. But so I just do the standard, you know, folio boxes and and they're great. I do the eight by 10 size. I do the smaller one. I really Mm -hmm. love them and the clients do too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always did too. And the real reveal box has the clear, so it almost resembles a picture frame. So if you're out there and you don't know what that is. Exactly. And that's the, the kind of cool thing is like if you get an album, your cover is your cover. Whereas with these, you can switch out which one's on top and you can take the matted prints out and display them somewhere else. Like they're just more versatile. Yeah, I, it really is because you can display it like on a coffee table or nightstand the same way you would an album. And if you have guests or you know family come over and they want to look at your images, they can take them out and even pass them around instead of mm-hmm. like one person holding the album. Or it can be displayed upright, like almost like a shadow box frame. And it, again, can you can rotate the who gets the cover 
Yeah, and it's really yeah, cool. And you can always cool. add to them too. So, yep, yep, yep. That's awesome. Okay, so you've got the high, medium, low sort of package, like small, medium, large situation yes. going. So, a lot of people will say, like, okay, so if I were to come in, it, I'm, I'm speaking as photographer. So, if mm-hmm. if a client comes in, they just want one photo. They pay your five hundred dollars session fee. They don't get any photos for that, but they right. get the hair and makeup and everything. And then, if they want one photo, they pay three fifty and they're out the door. Yes. Okay. So how does that happen often? Or and I'm only saying this because sometimes there's kind of like a debate between like, oh, should I do a la carte or should I do package only? Like I do package only. That's just how I do it. And some people do a la carte because if you offer the a la carte, you can see the value of the packages because you can see that, you know, if you buy 10 photos, it's not going to be three fifty per image. It's going to be right. two hundred per image or one fifty per image or whatever it is. And then also, there's no, like, ceiling there. Like, someone could buy, you know, they could say, well, I want 40 images. And you could say, well, at a la carte, it's 350 per image. However, if you want 40, I could do XYZ price or whatever. So I guess what I'm saying is I offer just the small, medium, large, which works very well for me. And I very rarely sell the smallest package. But the clients are seeing as, like, the ceiling is that $2,400, yeah. So it's not too often that people spend more than that. They do on occasion, but or like for my personal branding, the highest is nineteen ninety five, and it's not very often that people go over that. So sometimes I wonder, but I also don't have to worry about one client coming in, spending three fifty, and leaving. So <laughs> I'm curious. Tell me about that. So I yeah, I don't ever have people just get one image, and usually when people are like oh, well, it's three fifty for just one image. And I'm like, yeah, because you're going to want a collection. Like, no one ever wants just one. Trust me, you're going to want more. You say this, but you're going to mm-hmm, want more. Mm-hmm. I have thought about doing a different, like, special for maybe, like, headshots for people who truly just want to come in, come out, maybe strip down the hair and makeup, strip, you know, do, like, a light styling and then maybe one one image included. I have thought about doing that for just the people who truly want, like, a headshot. Of course, I'm going to try to sell them personal branding. But... I think that having that higher single image price makes the packages more or the collections more appealing, Mm -hmm. even more so to me. And like you said, like, I don't want them to see a cap. And usually when I pitch it to them, I'm like, you know, you can come in and buy a single image that, you know, is fantastic and you're going to love for life for $350. But some people come in and they might get a folio box or an album plus a wall art for every single room in their house and they might spend, you know, six, $7,000. Like, it's just totally up to you and what you want. But, you know, you're not going to decide that till you see your images. And no one just ever goes for the single one. I mean, I try to tell them that, but I don't think they believe me at first and then they come in and, and, you know, they go for the package anyway. Okay, so I know in your post you had mentioned that you are homeschooling. You have a new baby. Yes. You are homeschooling your nine-year-old and you still manage to gross over $100,000 in 2020. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you make that work? Well, the majority of my business last year was from the uh, 40 over 40 project. Okay, tell us about that. So... Yeah, I just, I saw, you know, other people in the group running these campaigns, and I I really loved the idea behind it. I mean, not only were they getting these gorgeous images and having great success stories, like, I really, really loved the message behind it. And so I launched one. uh, You know, last year was probably the worst year to launch anything, (laughs) and I I sat on it for a while and just, you know, and then May, I was like, okay, it's now or never, I'm just going to put it out there and... Yeah, it just kind of spread like 
wildfire. Like they, you know, it just really spread. And the word of mouth, I didn't even market it. It just spread. And everybody was talking about, I live in a small town. It's easy for news to spread like that. And each one of those women, you know, I was upselling them on like a family session at the end or add personal branding or let's add boudoir. Every single woman, we did something a little bit different in addition to like them setting for like a fine art portrait for the show, for the, you know, actual project. So that really was like the bulk of everything, that word of mouth. I was getting clients that I would have just never dreamed. You know, I'm a small town. We all know people here. And like, I'm getting these people that I've never seen get a portrait session done. You know, maybe their kids or something. You know, obviously I see that, but like, and it was just really cool. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And we have a show scheduled and there's just a lot of excitement about it. So that was just the biggest difference business-wise because it was just something so different for around here. There's nobody around here doing anything like this. So I I think a lot of that success was from that campaign last year. Okay. So (laughs) we hear so often, but I live in a small town. I cannot charge prices that you charge in LA. I will argue with anybody. (laughs) Jessica, I am so happy that you brought this up. Because uh, this is such a block for people. I live in a small town. Okay, so in my like proper city limits, and we are technically a city somehow, but I think there's like 10,000 people here, maybe in the county. Mm-hmm. Like there's not... That's small. A, it's, it's super small. And I think I'm actually overestimating it. I looked it up at one point in time at what our population is here, but the county, you know... There might be like 10,000 people in the entire county. We are a solid hour from any bigger city in any direction. And I think our median income here is like $30,000. So it's definitely the small country town. Like it's it's what everybody thinks you couldn't do this in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I make it work every single day. It, it all comes back to you. Like right. that is a thousand percent. It's you. Right. I agree. And so in the the 90-day challenge, you know, we do the 12 weeks of challenges for one for each week. And so when the pricing week started, you know, we talk about pricing and we talk about industry standard and working your way up to that point. And someone's like, but Nikki, what about those of us who are in small towns where the average income is like $30,000 a year? Like basically exactly what you said. And I was like, you know what? Yes, it's more of a challenge. Sure. Like, There is the fact that you don't have people making millions. I get that. However, people will spend 40K on a new SUV. They'll spend $1,200 on an iPhone. Exactly. It doesn't matter. People will save for what they want to buy. Oh, a thousand percent. Yes. Like, and I think it might have been in one of the videos, you know, like a $2,000 portrait session. This is not a luxury item. Like this is comparable to a TV and everybody owns TVs. Everybody has furniture. These are not like a six-figure purchase is a big item, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's people have iPhones. Everybody has an iPhone, like and nobody, you know. And it's what you value and honestly from my experience I've had wealthier clients for sure, but I've also had clients where I know their level of income. Like I have an idea anyway, and they will go on a payment plan and they'll, you know, come in and pay me over a span of like six to 10 months or something. Mm-hmm. And they are so grateful. They love that. It's just, it's like they value it more. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want to like totally 
make that an all-encompassing statement. I'm not saying, you know, if you make more money, you don't. I'm sure, not at all trying course, to say that. I am just saying that you can't overlook these people that, you know, we might have a client and you, you can't judge them. It's not your place to judge. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they only make this much money or they drive this kind of car. They can't possibly be able to afford what I'm selling. Mm-hmm. That's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has nothing to do yep. with you. It's none of your business. Yep. And just serve them and do the best you can. And they love that. They... And it's such a rewarding feeling, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I don't think small town or, or the income level of your town, I don't think it has anything to do with it. If anything, you're just making yourself stand out more. Yeah. And yeah, people in bigger cities pay a lot of money for that kind of thing <laughs> to make yourself be that stand out like you are different. You know, it's really easy to do in a small town. So those people in small towns saying that they can't make it work, they're actually overlooking a really cool thing, which is you're the only person doing anything like this. And if you are shocking people with your prices, they're going to remember you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are going to be the topic of conversation. And that's marketing. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I love, love, love that you just said that. It is not up to us to decide how people are going to spend that $30,000 that they make every year. It's none of our business. Exactly. It is not our decision. So if you're someone out there who's saying, oh, but I live, oh, but I live in a small town. Oh, but I live in here. Oh, but that's on you. That is your excuse. And if you want to continue to make that a reason that you don't bring your pricing up, uh, that's fine. That you're never going to have a sustainable business. Yeah. Now, I don't mean to sound like an asshole when I'm saying these things. I just think sometimes we need to have that little like kick in the pants and hearing from someone like you who's doing it. It's just, it's such an example. But I, I will say though, your work is extraordinary. Your work is beautiful. So that helps too. Thank you. Yeah. If you can be the photographer that people want to book, they'll find a way to pay for it. They will. My images, I mean, I still, I'm the typical artist. I'm going to look at them and be like, oh, well, that can be improved. Or you can, you know, I think mm-hmm. we always are guilty of that. But it definitely, you know, my quality of images have definitely improved over the years since being in the course and taking, you know, like Felix's course and all of that. I mean, that's been like a total game changer. But even when, before all that, before the lights and, and all that education, I was still selling you know, like I, I sold pictures for what I look at now and I'm like, oh my gosh. So it can't, you know, <laughs> I feel like that can easily be another excuse like you were saying earlier, like that analysis paralysis. You know, once we get past the like, oh, it's a small town, but I can still do it because this person's doing it. You know, still don't get caught in your work, but they're not, my work isn't like this or it's True. not like That's this. That's a great point. Like it, like it doesn't, yeah, it just... Feel, do your best and keep learning and just go out there and sell it. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. I, I do the same. Sometimes I'll see some of my older work and be like, dang, they spent three grand on that. And I can see like how I want to like go in and re-edit them and then send them to them again. Like, <laughs> but the I clients know, love I them. The same thing. <laughs> yeah, and you can't say anything about it because they're just like, you know, I've, I've never quite said that openly to a client, but I have like almost said something like, oh, like a return client coming back. Like, oh, I should that, fix this or, you know, we could do it different this time. And they're like, why I loved it. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Right. Cause we okay. see things that they don't see. Exactly. I mean, if the focus is soft or like if we cut their wrist off or whatever, those are things that photographers are going to notice. But I've never not sold a photo because someone's fingertip was cut off or because the focus was soft. It's like we see those things, they don't care. They care that they look beautiful, that their kids look great. Exactly. You know, and you know, because of that, I actually, so I started out with the reveal wall. 
and I did the prints and, and I fully retouched images and showed that. And that worked great. But I noticed, and I don't know what it is just about me. I'm just a different little person, I guess, because I always pick, like the clients will pick, or not even like clients, anybody. Like if they'll always pick the one that I don't, that I don't pick. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. like the And so I, I started, and when I started photographing my own kids, I noticed this too. Because photographer Jessica would look at this picture and be like, oh, we can't possibly use that because, like you said, this is cut off, this is wrong, you know. But then, like, mom Jessica is looking at it like, but his face, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I started doing immediate reveals after my shoot, and that, like, also changed a lot of things because— they were picking stuff that I would have been like, oh, like, I don't know about that, you know, hand positioning or I don't know about that body. And they'd be like, oh, no, I love it. So I just kind of got out of my own way on that. And they started, like, honestly picking more images because they were picking stuff that I wouldn't have picked, you know? Yeah, tell me, how do you do that, immediate reveals? Just after their session while they're, you know, my assistant helps pack up their clothes and, and you know, all of that. And I load them in. I just use Bridge because it's quicker than importing into Lightroom. Mm-hmm. And I now I have a, a USB cable that I just hook up to my laptop so they can, you know, I can set farther away from them. We're not all huddled over a laptop screen. I hook it up to the TV and they sit on my couch and relax. And I go through and I show them three images at a time and I tell them the keeper, you know, tell me what they want to keep, what's a maybe. And I mark those and you know, I filter it to where the next round they only see the maybes or the yeses, and we keep going until they get, you know, get it narrowed down to the images they can't live without. And then yeah. we decide what we're going to do with them. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the more people I interview, a lot of people are starting to do things that way. I don't. <laughs> there, there was like a, there was a post in the group the other day, and someone had, had said that, you know, she was doing the immediate reveal, and her client hated the photos. And she said that it was based on the way, you know, her wrinkles looked and whatever. And she was trying to explain to her, yes. like, I'll retouch them. And then, like, 50 people jumped on, like, this is why I don't do okay. right, reveals there, yes. right away, you know. So it could go either way, I think, you know. So whatever personal preference is. Totally. Well, I have learned some hard lessons on that. So I had one woman come in, and she was probably in her 60s, but she literally had, like, the most gorgeous. She had better skin than, like, I'll ever have, you know, and she's 30-some years older than me. And so normally when I shoot, you know, somebody who might have wrinkles or something like that, I will light it very, like, flat, you know, front, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. really minimize those shadows. I I take that into account. But I saw this woman, I'm like, oh, my God, you have, like, this amazing skin. I can can get all artsy with you. And and so I was doing this, like, kind of harder light from the side, like, these deeper shadows— and as soon as we sat down, she said, why don't these look like my friends? And I realized I had shot all of her friends oh. with, like, the same lighting mm-hmm. and her, because honestly, she her skin was better than her friends. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I thought I could get away with it. And she was just like, oh. And so, I mean, we—and I talked her through it. I'm like, look— we're like Harry Potter in retouching. There's a lot of things that we can do. You know, you've seen all my work. I'm not going to make you look bad. Like my name is on this. And I was able to work it out. And like, she loves her images. But it was definitely like, because I thought she was so beautiful. And and I'm like, how am I going to say, well, I did this harder lighting because I thought you had better skin than your friends. Right, right. I didn't want to say that. So I have learned, and with boudoir, I might be going back to a more 
stylized because, you know, women are definitely a little bit more conscious. Like, everybody's a little bit more conscious in a boudoir shoot, you know, and I get that. And But just, like, seeing themselves, you know, it's a very vulnerable thing. So I... I do understand that maybe immediate reveals are the best all of the time. And there are some things you need to take into consideration, like lighting on the shoot, you know, have how familiar are they with your work and the other people that you've shot? Because I have had some people come in and they're like, oh, well, I know what so-and-so looks like in real life every day. And I saw her portrait, so I trust you. Mm-hmm. And they were totally fine with mm-hmm. it. So it just kind of depends. That I have learned a few hard lessons with that, but like branding, anything like that. I'm just like immediate reveal. This is, you yeah. know. Yeah, that makes sense. Let me just send this off to retouching and let's move on. Let me do the fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't want people out there to think that like we retouch people to the cows come home, you know, but it's like. No. It's like, I'll say to my clients like, and sometimes they'll ask and sometimes I'll just say it. It's like when you have blemishes or, you know, if you have dark circles under your eyes or whatever, I have no problem. These are going to be for your business or for, you know, something on your wall forever or whatever. There's a time and a place for reality and, like, look how exhausted I was on this day. Right. Like, there's a time and a place for those photos. So I'll say, like, things that aren't permanent. Like, we don't always have yeah. dark cir- puffy circles. Like, maybe it's our time of the month or maybe we right. had a salt bagel for breakfast because that might be my favorite food. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? mean like yeah and so I'll say to my clients listen the things that aren't permanent I will help you with for sure but I never want someone to look at the photo and think oh she was photoshopped like that is not my right I feel like it's the same with like makeup too like you know they always say like they want you to be like oh you're you look so pretty you're not like not your makeup looks pretty but you look pretty Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. totally the retouching is not the point you're the point I always explain to my clients and it I do the same thing. Like, if it's not going to be there in six months, I am automatically going to remove it. Or a year, if it's not a permanent thing, you know, like a birthmark or a scar or something like that, I would always ask before that. But I always explain it like, you know how when you you think about somebody that you love, and when you picture them in your mind, you don't picture dark circles, you don't picture wrinkles, you Mm -hmm. don't picture blemishes. It's like, the way people see you is a mix between reality, what's there, and their version of you in their head, you know? And when we love someone, and even people that we don't love, we still have like a much kinder lens for that than we do <laughs> ourselves usually. Mm-hmm. So I tell them, my job is to retouch you to what, that that's how you look, how you really look to someone. Because when when someone looks at you, it's mixed with this idea of you in their head. And that idea does not include dark circles. That idea doesn't include, I mean, it might have fine lines. Yeah. Cause you know, we age that happens. Like it's right, fine, right, right. but like, it's not the first thing that they're seeing in their mind. So I feel like that's my job to match that portrait with that, my, like that image of a person in their mind or in their heart of somebody that cares about them, not the image that you have of yourself. Cause again, that's usually yeah, a little bit more harsh. Sure. That's a great way to <laughs> a little put bit it. more harsh than, than people you love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and on the flip side of it, too, I will say, like, listen, if there is something that's bothering you, like, during their photo viewing, if they're like, oh, I wish my hair was more oh, volume, yeah. or, oh, my nose looks big, or something like that, I'm like, if you want me to retouch something, if I can do it, I will. I have no problem, so speak up. Yeah. Because my goal is for them to love their photos and me to make a big sale. So if we can marry those two together oh, by, by, like, I have no problem doing it, so... 
Yeah. Yeah. I just let them know like what I'm going to do without instruction. Like my ultimate, like you said, the ultimate job is for me to make you happy and to make a great sale. (laughs) That's at the end of the day, whatever level of retouching that's going to require, that's what we'll do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, it sounds like you have a really great thing going. And you said that it's basically just word of mouth. Is there any sort of formal marketing that you do or is it just tagging people on Facebook? Like, how are you doing that? Yeah, I have Facebook and Instagram and I have my website and I'm I'm really bad about consistency on posting. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I've, I have my phases where I do really well. So I don't think it's really that. I, I It's a lot of word, the ma- word of mouth. I don't have any like formal anything really. I've always just kind of, you know, had a Facebook page and an Instagram and yeah. I have found like, you know, when doing social media, the more you talk about them, the easier it is. You know, people, yeah. yeah, some people like to hear about like, oh, I shot this on this day and this is how I was feeling and I really loved it. Like, well, yeah, but like, let's talk about what these people are saying. You're, you know, their actual client, like, and their friends and family, like, you know, pick up on that and it's just it organically kind of does its thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the best way. That's awesome. But yeah, that's, it's, it's word of mouth, social media. That's it. So I, I'm curious, like, are the, are you the only photographer in town? Are there a lot of photographers? Are you just the only one offering this particular service? Oh, there's there's a lot of photographers here. I think, you know, there's a lot of photographers anywhere that you go. Yeah, I yeah. am probably the only one really specializing in portrait in the style that we you know see in the group and and all of that. But there are you know there are plenty of photographers around here. There's other studios. So yeah, they they definitely have more options than just me. And I'm actually relatively new to this area. I've only had the studio here for two years, almost three years. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, so I, I predominantly worked in a different county and in, in another city before coming here. So I've only been here for like five years in this town. Okay, gosh. So yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of other people. I'm, I'm a fairly, I'm like the new kid on the block here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're kind of crushing all of the reasons people say they can't do this. But I'm new in my city, but it's a small town. Oh, yeah. You know, like there's all these, there's a million photographers in my area. It's like, I feel like you've just kind of... I could argue with every last yeah, one of them. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So I'm really, it's been really great. It's been really great to hear your story. And I'm really, I'm excited for you. It sounds like you're just Thank on you. like a trajectory to go up and up. And it's very exciting. Yes, that's the plan. Yeah, Keep going. very cool. Get bigger. Yeah, <laughs> Get better. Definitely. You know. All right, awesome. Well, yeah, I appreciate everything that you've shared. I do have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind my asking. I always ask sure. the same four questions at the end of each episode. And the first one is, what's yes. something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Uh, you know, okay, so I listened to this podcast, and I had a feeling you were going to ask me. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to say, like, music, because music is you know, I love the environment it takes, but I feel like if I want to be super authentic about this, um, super authentic and super cheesy, I'm going to have to say my camera. I know that's kind of like, well, yeah, what can you know? But here's why. I feel like I've lived so many photographer lives. You know, I've, I've shot a field in golden hour. I've done weddings. I've done babies. I've shot, you know, I've, I've done it all. And that was before I had strobes, before I even knew what a V-flat was, and I made it work, and I was still selling, and I was still making people happy. So I think it's just the camera. You know, Ansel Adams said the, the most important piece of photography equipment is six inches behind the camera, and that's the photographer. And I think as long as there's me and a camera, 
I'll be all right. I can yeah. do it. I yeah. can make it work somehow. It's a great answer. I love so, that. I love that. <laughs> I felt like it was cheesy. So, but okay. No, no. It, it makes sense. I mean, it is, it's, our clients are relying on us to create the magic. Granted, I would definitely love like all my modifiers and my V flats. I've learned to love them. And all, you know, I could say a million different pieces of gear that I, I love and I use all of the time. But if you were going to be like must have, throughout thick and thin anyway like just the camera and you that's all you need yep yep love it okay number two how do you spend your time when you aren't working well I I have kids and I have you know spend a lot of time with my family in a former lifetime we used to go to concerts all of the time so we would you know go watch live music but I'm also a farmer so <laughs> I uh, spend cool. a lot of yeah um, as if I didn't have enough going on I have chickens in a very big garden. We grow food and, and all of that. So if I'm not photographing, I'm chasing chickens or children on <laughs> my farm. Chasing chickens <laughs> or children. I love it. Sometimes both. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Oh, this is a tough one because I love quotes. Um, and I'm going to have to go with, because I'm very big on mindset. And I, th- I believe it's a Buddhist quote. What you think you become what you feel you attract and what you imagine you create. Mm-hmm. So powerful. And it's so true. It's so true. Oh, it, it totally all goes is. back to that mindset. I love it. Yeah. Good choice on that. Okay. Uh, number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? My biggest advice to photographers starting out is to be aware of how powerful your mindset is because mm-hmm. that will make or break things for you, no matter what level you're at, no matter what you have or what you don't have, like that's that's going to be what changes the game for you. And as as long as you have the right mindset, like literally nothing can stop you. Oh, that's such perfect advice. Thank you. Perfect <laughs> advice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Jessica, actually I do have one more question. Where can people find you online if they're looking for you? So Instagram and Facebook, I'm under Jessica Malone Portrait. I also just started a side page for, I guess not a side page, a different page for just my boudoir work, and it's under Ohio Boudoir. I also have a website, jessica-malone.com, as well as ohioboudoir.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. I had no idea about the whole small town piece. So I'm so glad I'm so glad that came out and all of this. So yeah, that's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks for having me on here. Yes. Yeah. I will see you in the Facebook group soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, Nikki. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.